Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. Welcome back. Afternoon drive. Goodman Mason. Watch us. MileHighSports.com. You can reach us on the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at Mace Denver at Eric Goodman. If you are looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to RMFP.com. Time now for the lead. The lead is presented by Smoke and Dave's Barbecue and Brew. Colorado's best barbecue since 2007. Get some tonight in Denver, Longmont, Lions, and Estes Park. Okay, Mace, uh, Tom Brady, he almost wound up playing, or at least co-owning, the Miami Dolphins, according to a Pro Football Talk, uh, citing multiple sources. When Tom Brady retired on February 1st, the next move was expected to be him being introduced as a minority owner of the Miami Dolphins. Quoting the story, after Brady became a minority owner, the Dolphins would have indeed acquired the contractual rights to hire Sean Payton from the Saints, then the Dolphins would have at some point gotten the rights from the Buccaneers to bring Brady onto the roster. Do you think the Dolphins could have pulled this off, making Brady the co-owner and the quarterback? Obviously, a trade would have had to have been involved. A trade would have had to have been involved, and I haven't done a thorough dive into the bylaws, but you recall when the offering of ownership to John Elway by Pat Bolin was perceived as a potential salary cap violation, right? Well, same thing with uh, Peyton Manning and the Titans. Yes. But I think that was in form of a payment. Right. But With the Titans, it was in form of a payment that will give you some of the team and that's at, part we'll of give your you, salary. We'll give you some of the team after you're done. That was Manning? I but like that's the only like I don't think you can you can play for a team of which you're a part owner. Well, I don't think Robert Kraft would look very good in a uniform. Yeah, but I, but that's neither here nor there. So I, that that's where this kind of this sort of falls apart because with the uh, with the John Elway thing, you end up it, it just even the offer end up being uh, end up being a violation of. Of league bylaws, but was so I don't think this. I, I I think in I I think on the surface they couldn't have pulled this off. They could have pulled it off with him playing. I was told and, that Elway turned it down. He not, tur- that, not that it fell apart. He turned it down, but it was still, but it was, but it was still part of what caused the Bron- Broncos to be punished for salary cap violations I, years I, later. I think that Mike Florio is smart enough to know that if this was a violation, he would have put that in the story. Guy's an attorney too. I know he I, is. I think he would have put that in the story that even if the Dolphins wanted to do this, it would not have happened because dot dot dot. The problem the problem is what you're doing is you're giving and the reason why it's a salary cap violation is if you have somebody who's a part owner, they're 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 in theory making money off of the profit at the end of the year. And that is more income that is further income going to a player does that income become something that is that that is eligible to be taxed under the salary cap almost certainly yes so 
I, d- I believe that if they had tried to pull this off, you would have had 31 other teams saying, wait a minute, that's, this is a violation of the cap. Now, could they could there be something arranged where they trade for Tom Brady or, or sign Tom Brady a year from now and then nudge, nudge, wink, wink when he retires, he buys part of the Dolphins? I could see that happening, yes. In fact, kind of putting two and two together, I think if Tom Brady plays in 2023 after because he'll hit free agency next year. If he plays in 2023, I believe he'll be playing for the Miami Dolphins. I think he will too. But, but again, I don't think he'll be part owner. I don't think that will be something that, that can be logistically pulled off until after he is retired. Yeah, I don't know that to be for sure. But again, I can't imagine. We can go back and forth on this. I think that Florio would have put that in the story if that was not possible. I mean, the NFL kind of... Remember Jimmy Spencer? With the Broncos? I do. Player coach, right? Yep. And actually, the, the, the kind of the catch was when he was still a player, mm-hmm. and he, the player part of the player coach, he could earn no money from being a coach. Okay, this is coming from sports, sport-net.org. The question is, can an NFL player own a team? And it says the NFL Constitution forbids its owners from owning any other professional football team. So or any really, other, yeah. That doesn't really. That doesn't answer the question. No, I, what What do you say? It was sportsnet.org? Yeah. I mean, that I just, sounds like something that's uh, basically a, a bot. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not overly wise in I mean, the world of the web. It's the last time you had a player that was an owner, owner was probably a George Hallis, right? But he didn't play. Wasn't, I thought he was still playing like it. Toward uh, like the very beginning, maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. Well, let's say he wound up going to the Dolphins as a player. How's the AFC look? <laughs> as if it wasn't stacked already. already. Yeah. Yep. I mean, <laughs> even, even, even more stacked. By the way, uh, George Hallis did play for the Bears through 1929. Did he? Yeah. So he was. <laughs> he was an owner and a player at the same time. But I don't think you can do that. Any again, there was no salary cap. The, the issue is the perception of what what would he be, what money would he be making off the owner side, and how and how would that work under the salary cap? That's where that's the complication to be thrown in that I think would prevent this from actually happening in this form. But again, like I said, could I see Brady playing for the Dolphins, retiring and becoming a part owner? Hell yeah, I'd even. I, I that's actually something that. It, as long as he does not suffer a catastrophic injury on the field this year, that's something I might bet on happening. Yeah, Brady being a Dolphin in 2023 and after he retires, becoming a, a Dolphin part owner. And how about that? Imagine being with one team for two decades, and then you end up as a part owner of one of their rivals. Yeah, I don't know if I don't know if the rival really makes that much of a difference. He just wants to be part of an ownership. Group. I know he does. It but just happens to be. Two teams but, in the same. But this would be like Peyton Manning being a part owner of the Kansas City Chiefs, or well, or the or the Chargers. Well, yeah, but but I'm I'm referring more to when he played for the Colts. Okay, be like he's, Peyton, he's better known for playing for the Colts. Okay, be like Peyton Manning being a part owner of the uh, Titans. Right. Who thinks? Who do you think uh, ends up running a team first, Brady or Manning, or neither? M- Manning's in position to do it right now. He is, he is. I just don't know if the opportunity is going to avail itself here. I think he I, he is in position if he can get with the right group. Yes, 
he probably has the opportunity to do it first. Well, let me ask you something. Even if he's not part of the ownership group, the team could always hire Peyton Manning as the team president. They could, but I think he's thinking bigger than just running the team and not having equity. I'm sure he would like to have equity, and then maybe he runs the team well, as the president, and then... But but how often do teams come up for sale? Not very often, but right. I, but why do you? But I would say this: you look at where he is at with Omaha Productions right now, and that business is growing exponentially. It's becoming very successful. I think Peyton Manning is putting himself in position to where. Maybe now he could not afford to be the managing partner of a team. But in five to ten years, he might have the capital to be a managing partner of the team. Right. And I think I think that's what Peyton Manning wants. I don't think Peyton wants to be a two percent partner, right? I think Peyton wants to hit that thirty percent threshold and be the managing partner of a group. And right now, for the Broncos, for example, that would mean getting to $1.2 billion. Peyton Manning has a lot of money. He doesn't have access to $1.2 billion right, right now. But given, how, given the flying start that Omaha is off to, it's not hard to look on the horizon and see an environment in which Peyton does have the ability to put up the money to be a managing partner. And then he is the boss of everything. And I think that's what he really wants. Coming up after the break, NBA Commissioner Adam Silver was asked about the play-in tournament. How much does he like it? Tweaks need to be made. We talked about it very, very briefly in the last hour. Mace is on one side, (laughs) and I'm on the other. This will be fun. Should be an interesting conversation. That's next. Drive with Goodman and Mason, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. Welcome back. Afternoon drive. Goodman Mason. Watch us. MileEyeSports.com. You can reach us. Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at Mace Denver at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to RMFP.com. In the meantime, I want to tell you about Rocky Mountain Eurosport in Denver and in Parker. You're not working with some big dealership selling volume. It's a one-on-one intimate buying experience. 
Everyone deserves a luxury car buying experience, don't you think? But if you don't want a luxury car, no problem. They have great options for foreign cars, domestic cars as well. They also service all makes and models, and they have great finance options. They work with so many different lenders to get you what you need. Go for a test drive today or find them at rmuresport.com. Time now for the buzz. The buzz is presented by Rocky Mountain Eurosport. Go for a test drive today in Denver or Parker because everyone deserves a luxury car buying experience. Or find them online at rmurosport.com. NBA Commissioner Adam Silver says the play-in tournament to get into the playoffs between the 7th, 8th, ninth, and 10th seeds aren't going anywhere. And that he and the NBA Board of Governors are, quote, very pleased with what they're seeing so far. He also noted that just three seeds are locked in for the postseason right now. Suns, Grizzlies, one and two in the West, and the Clippers at eight. Do you like the play-in format? Love it. Love the fact that it keeps more markets, more fan bases engaged for a little bit longer. Uh, Love the fact that it gives a significant inherent advantage to the seven and eight teams, which is that uh, you have to be, if you're either one of them, you have to lose twice to be eliminated, at least one of those games at home. Because if you're the eight seed and you lose to the seven, then you host the winner of the nine ten. Um, I thought it, it added a, a layer of drama to the end of the season last year without, without making the playoffs themselves balloon. So, Frankly, I, I, I enjoyed it. I got a kick out of it. Bring it, bring it on. This is why I don't like it. You play 82 games, and you have the Spurs 11 games under 500. Mm-hmm. You have the Pelicans 9 games under 500. They have no business having a shot getting into the playoffs. Neither of them. And now they do if they get fortunate one or two nights in a row. They have no business getting in. Generally speaking, over the last 10 years, the East has gotten better. You had teams in the East with losing records as the eighth seed. If you played 82 games, you have no business getting into the playoffs. None. And you should not put a Timberwolves team in a position 10 games over 500, having to play a Spurs team where maybe you have an off night or maybe you have two off nights. There are times in there are times in football where a team under 500 and it's happened very infrequently wins its division and they go to the playoffs. 82 games is a big enough sample size. No business getting in, no right to get in. None whatsoever. It is a disservice to a Timberwolves team that is 10 games over 500 and two games behind the Nuggets for the sixth seed. As is, the Clippers are 40 and 40, and they are locked in. But they can still finish under 500. You should not have a right to get in the playoffs if you are under 500, unless circumstances suggest that you won your own division. Eight teams is more than enough. There are 28 teams in the league. 16 of them are getting in automatically. And now you're expanding it? You want to water it down that much? Come on. But I, the thing is, I, I look at this play-in as 
it's a last resort for teams. And you I, don't I, deserve a last resort when you're 11 games under 500. You already you've already played have you followed, 82 games. Have you followed college basketball all these years? I mean, basically, this is kind of serving the purpose of the conference tournaments, as it were, a last chance for a couple of teams, and then uh, if you're on the bubble, you've got a you've got some urgency to it. And quite, then, quite frankly, yeah. I don't believe that conference tournament winners should get in. I think the conference winner should get in. But isn't it exciting? Sometimes it's just about what's exciting. You don't deserve it. You don't deserve it. I don't think that you do. You've played 82 games. And if you're not good enough to get in after 82 games, you're not good enough to be in. I'm not. Yeah, I, I love excitement as much as anybody else. We're going to have a bunch of rounds of NBA basketball. Some of those series will go seven games. I'm more, exci- I'm more excited for that than I would be for a team that, that stumbles to get in. See, what I like about this is that teams seven and eight, at least they, in order for them to be eliminated, they have to lose twice. It's better than, for example, what baseball did for a long time with that wild card playoff where it was a where it was one game and you lose, you go home. And for teams that were in the top 10 of, or the top five of each league, top 10 in total of the sport, I thought that was a little bit unfair. We're talking about, te- we're talking about in each conference, Teams seven, eight, nine, and ten. We're talking about so literally twenty of the twenty-eight teams have a crack to get into the playoffs. Why yeah. even have a regular season? Because seeding matters. Because it does matter. matter. I, I mean, agree. Uh, you have like well, look for example, you have a regular season because if the Nuggets can't close things out properly in the next two games, they're thrown into this trial by fire. They should, and they would, and they and they would have, and if they lose these next two games, they would have deserved to be in a position in a position like that. I can tell you right now, let, let, let's, let's do a hypothetical here. Let's say Jokic tonight suffers a season ending injury. The nugget, the nuggets probably won't win any of those playing games. So all the guys who worked hard this whole season are probably going to be knocked out. Well, Michael, because, Ma- Michael because, Malone said one guy was carrying him. I, I understand mm-hmm. that. But, but you understand my point. I know your point, yes. <laughs> so so they are right now how many games over 500? They are thir- they're 14 games over 500. And now let's just say Jokic goes out. They should be knocked out of the playoffs entirely. They're entitled to a, to a seven-game series. Sometimes you're going to have some tough breaks. Well, the tough breaks are orchestrated for more excitement. I mean, I, mem- I remember when... I remember a time when if you... Uh, if you were a team in the Nuggets spot, you'd be. I think it was like a best of three. Remember those the mini. Remember the mini series back in the day. I don't have a problem with in that. the NBA. I don't have a problem with that. And effectively, that's it's the same thing because you have to you know you have to lose two games to be eliminated. And if you're the Nuggets, you have to lose two games to be out. That's like a that that's like losing a mini series. I'm okay with that. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. If you're 11 games under 500, the the only the only playoffs you should be a part of is watching it on TV or courtside. I mean, not, not you, you don't like the fact that there are so few spots and something that Adam Silver pointed out. So few spots. So no, 16 so, of the 28 no, teams are getting in. Let me finish. So few spots settled here with four day with four days to go in the regular season. Okay, well that's a little bit of a stretch, and I'll tell you why. Because Golden State, Dallas, and Utah are in no danger. Of being in that play-in series, but they're well, one they're, has they're nothing still to do with the other. Seating. That's the way it is every year. 
but they're not in that. That's a very creative way to try and sell the play-in. But there's a lot more leverage. Like right right now, the Nuggets, if they were playing for the difference between six and seven, that's a little different. In the past, that's uh, that's much different than the difference between six and seven now, which means you go into the play-in. I, I I like the energy that it cre- that it forces. One more quick thing, uh, something that uh, Adam Silver chatted about, mm-hmm. and that was about uh, take fouls. Yes. Basically, what does that mean? It's an intentional foul when a team's on a break, and it, it's it's a foul. It's like hack a shack. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, international play, you do that. Uh, FIBA gives two free throws and the ball for a foul like that in the G League. Um, that type of foul results in a free throw and the team retaining possession mm-hmm. of the ball. You like either of these better? Or you got your own thing. I, I like. I kept thinking a good compromise is where the G League is at. One shot in the ball, because it is a ju- because sometimes even though it's often obvious, but sometimes you get into the realm of judgment call, and that's where, and that's where the NBA I think has been hesitant on this is sometimes your judgment and you're making a judgment call and the judgment is off. You always want to have fewer judgment calls if possible in any sport. You want things to be. Objective, not subjective, right? Yep. So, but in this case, most of the take fouls are blatantly obvious to anybody with functioning right. eyeballs. Right. So I like I like putting a little oomph toward the penalty for a take foul. I love the timing that uh, opening day is today, and thirty three years ago today, Major League hit the theaters. Is that the best baseball movie of all time? We'll discuss next. Drive with Goodman and Mason, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. Welcome back. Afternoon Drive. Goodman, Mason. Watch us. MyLifeSports.com. You can reach us. Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at Mace Denver at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber, the public, not retail, but wholesale. Go to rmfp.com. Time now for What's Trending. What's Trending is presented by Optimum Golf. Take your game to the next level this offseason at Denver's best indoor virtual facility in the Park Hill and Rhino neighborhoods. Book your tee time today at theoptimumgolf.com. Okay, Mace, 33rd anniversary today of Major League coming out. Let's rank our top five. Baseball movies of all time. And uh, let's start with number five. What you got? Ooh, I mean, this is this this is really tough. Baseball, of course, has blessed us with the most watchable movies, wouldn't you say, of of any sport that we've that we've seen over the years? I think football has been the best of the bunch. Really? Yep. Like remember the Titans. Um eh. no. You don't think that was well? It's okay. It's okay. But baseball's had probably more movies, I would say. Well, base, Prob- baseball lends itself, I think. Because are you of looking? The, are you looking this up right now? No, I'm not. I'm actually. I, I I had trouble with my order, so I'm like I'm actually trying to. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to distill this down to a top a, a top five. Number five is actually real. Is I don't know. It's it's kind of tough. 
for me is is num- number five. Okay. Um, I'd say number five is probably uh, was Eight Men Out, which was about the uh, the the Black Sox scandal, nineteen nineteen. For me, generally speaking, when I look at movies, I like movies that are that are based on true stories. Mm-hmm. I do. That's usually a big determining factor of what I like. Mm-hmm. With that, I'd put Major League number five. Okay. I could easily put it number four, but I'd put it number five. Wildly entertaining. Very, very funny. Mm-hmm. So that's number five for me. What's number four for you? The natural. I wouldn't even consider putting that on my list. Okay. I, d- I don't understand the thrill of the natural. Never really got it. Just like, and you ready for this? Just like I never got the thrill of Field of Dreams. Well, that's, that's higher on my list. I'm sure it is. For me, Eight Men Out is number four mm-hmm. on my list. Um, but for The Natural, it was so quirky and so incredibly unbelievable. And I, I didn't, I don't know why I wasn't that crazy about well, it. Well, it's kind of, it's, I don't think it was meant to be entirely believable. I mean, I no, think, I get it. You know, the, 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 the I but mean, the backstory. It's, it's, it's uh, myth. I mean, it's 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 mythic, right? It's yeah. lightning strikes the tree, and right. he makes the bat out of it. Right, Wonder Boy. Right, right. I mean, there, there's, there's an element of. It's a, there, there's there's kind of an element of it's almost a little bit of like magical realism, right? Involved with the natural, and and if you can, and I kind of. I, I didn't really get magic realism in terms of some of the novels that I read in high school that were from Latin America in my in my literature class, but yep. I grasped the magic realism in the natural, which I guess I'm just more attuned to and wired towards sports, so that's why it kind of clicked with me. Right. And I and and by the way, you know the novel of the natural, right? How it. You know how, there's well, it's based on a novel. This is the natural, right? right? In right. the novel, Roy Hobbs strikes out. Yep. At the end. He doesn't hit the lights. Strikes out. Right. So. Okay. What's number three on your list? Major League. Okay. I mean, I think that yeah. th- that that's a that's a fun movie. It absolutely succeeds at, um, at what it's trying to do. It, it as far as a like, it's not supposed to be serious, right? A serious treatment. Right. It's a comedy. Right. And I don't know that there are that there aren't. There aren't more, at least in my opinion, just my own taste. Mm-hmm. I don't know that there are that there are ten films that I've seen in my life that are funnier and more quotable than Major League. Okay, uh, I'm going to go with Bad News Bears. Okay, because it's a classic on so many different levels. It was mm-hmm. one of the first baseball movies. Came out in the 1970s. I just think that movie is just such a classic mm-hmm. that I'd be remiss if I did not have that on my list. Okay. Number two. Field of Dreams. Again, kind of you buy into the mythology, right? Yeah. Of it. I mean, yeah. I've I've made the the pilgrimage to Dyersville, Iowa to mm. go to the field where, you know, and of course they now there's a park there and they're trying to gonna play games there every a game there, major league game there every year. Right. Um it's It, and, I, and I part of it for me, I think, is personal. And like for example, they go to Fenway Park, and they're sitting, and you know, there's two of they're sitting there, they keeping score, and then he looks on the scoreboard and uh, and sees the name of Moonlight Graham, 
And I had just been to a game at Fenway Park. Right. And so like they're sitting there in the stands and you know got the scorecard and all that and I'm and it's like that's exactly what I was doing one night at Fenway and like so I could easily even though it was kind of it was definitely a fantasy film I could picture myself in a lot of the spots that the characters found themselves in. Right. So okay. I went with Moneyball. Okay. True story. To me, it is fascinating learning about the background of baseball. Moneyball is what just missed the cut for me, even though I really like it. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that movie, first of all, it was a great movie. It was a great cast. And it was based on a true story, and I think a lot of it was probably true. And that's what I liked about it as much as anything else. I think we both have the top one. Bull Durham. Yeah. There are some who claim it's not a sports movie. Well. That's a romantic comedy set in sports. Well. Some of the things on our list, yeah, you can claim are not necessarily. Sports I mean, movies. Major League is kind. Of, I mean, it, it's in sports, but I mean that's basically Animal House and a Clubhouse, right? Well, I think that I think that movie is a sports movie. I do, uh, because there's a lot of baseball. If there's a lot of baseball in it, like here, we talked about this the other day with um, the Kurt Warner movie. Mm-hmm. There wasn't a ton of football in it. To me, it was about the relationship between Kurt Warner and his wife. But we still call it a football movie. We do, yeah. but there wasn't a ton of football in it, is my point. Major League, there was a lot of baseball. In. I mean, listen, you have to have some sort of a backstory, right? Moneyball is a baseball movie, but how much actual play do we see on the field? That's, that is actually interesting. I think of going through these films that we've named... The only one... Eight Men Out had almost no baseball. Eight Men Out, yeah, Eight Men Out is the one. Like, Field of Dreams had, has a lot of baseball played in the film. Field of On Dreams? Field. Yes. At the end? And then they're... You talking know, about the, if you're talking about the two guys playing catch, well, I don't no, know Well, no, I'm talking about when you had all the players coming through the field and we get to see some of the games and all that. Like That was at the end. No, no, no that was throughout. That was once the players all started gathering. That wasn't at the very end. Anyway. But Bull Durham, I think, is it's kind of in the, in the sweet spot. And like Thomas Harding said, I mean, he he spoke fondly of it because he was covering minor league baseball at the time. And uh, I've actually I, I've actually uh, way back when I was in college and I was um, doing uh, doing web stuff and PR stuff for an arena football team. And sometimes we take the long bus trips, right? Right. And it's not the same sport, but I recognize the, I, I recognize the environment. I right. think it, it nailed it. It's the, I think it came the closest to nailing what it's like to be in minor league sports. Right. And really getting the, the personalities of it, the culture of it. And then it's, and, and then it's, it's a very, it's a very well-written movie on top of, on, on top of everything else. Right. And, um, I'd say also, and again, it's a it's a part of the it's a part of the world I know pretty well. Um, pretty good, a pretty accurate depiction, I think, of uh, of Durham, North Carolina. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Great movie. Yeah. Candlesticks make a nice gift. What do we have coming up on? Just in case you missed it. The Buffalo Sabers have set a new NHL record, and also MLB commissioner. Rob Manfred said that there is a pitch clock coming and it's a priority 
for the owners. We'll talk about that next right here on Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason on Mile High Sports. In another part of the world, and you may find yourself behind the wheel of a large automobile. And you may find yourself in a beautiful house with a beautiful wife. And you may ask yourself, well, how did I get here? Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. Now this is an absolute classic and quite possibly Bruce Springsteen's best song. I look at this song like I look at Queen's Bohemian Rhapsody. That is an anthem, and this is an anthem. This one's not quite as long, but it is on the longer side. It is. I mean, you can't play this on the radio. It's just way too long. But this We're playing song, it right now. Well, <laughs> this song is an anthem, and so great. Jungle Land by Bruce Springsteen. Off of Born to Run. Everybody loves Born to Run. It's a great song. I get it. But there are many songs better than Born to Run. Thunder Road, 10th Avenue Freeze Out, and of course, Jungle Land. Welcome back. Afternoon Drive, Goodman Mason. Watch us, MileHighSports.com. You can reach us, Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed, at Mace Denver, at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, not retail, but wholesale for your next project this summer, whether it's a deck or a fence, go to RMFP.com. Time now for the final word. The final word. Is presented by the McKenzie Law Firm. Don't wait before it's too late. Protect your family by setting up a will, living will, or estate plan with Dan McKenzie at themckenziefirm.com. Just in case you missed it. Just in case you missed it, trade speculation surrounding DK Metcalf is picking up. You guys talked about the potential of maybe him going to the Kansas City Chiefs on a show earlier this week. Uh, What do you think the Seahawks would want in return for DK Metcalf? What's the price tag like on that trade? I saw an article today that had seven different teams suggested trades for DK Metcalf. And at the end of the article, it said that all seven would have been rejected by Seattle. What does that price tag look like for the young receiver? Wow. I mean, if you think about this, for example, Green Bay got a one and a two for Devontae Adams, right? Mm -hmm. And Kansas City got a one, a two, two fours, and a six for Tyreek Hill. Now, DK Metcalf only has one year on his contract. Bingo. Ding, and ding, ding. And that's what certainly hurts the value here. Oh, you, you, you listen, yeah. the cap hits $4.3 million. He's great for one year. Yes. And what, are you going to franchise tag him? You're, look, a team that traded for DK Metcalf would have to go in knowing that, all right, we're going to get him re-signed, and we're going to – and that means they're probably going to have to give him – between twenty and twenty-six million dollars a year, unless you want to franchise him, right? Even then, the franchise tag might be getting up there too, right? So, I think even though he's only got the one year on the deal, I don't think Seattle should get any less than a one and a three out of this trade. 
can't do that. You can't give up a one and a three for a guy whose contract is coming. Unless you know, okay, we're gonna we're gonna either tag him or we're gonna resign him. I mean, you you wouldn't make this trade without having permission to talk to DK Metcalf, talk to his representation, and make sure he was on board with resigning with you and that you were already starting to work out right. the terms. Yeah, because you can't say we're gonna trade for you and then we're gonna franchise you if you start to hold us over a barrel because you want a Kyrie Kill or a Devontae Adams type of deal. You can't really do a signing trade. No. Just in case you missed it, the Buffalo Sabres set a new NHL record for most consecutive seasons without a postseason appearance, 11 straight seasons that became last night. Eric, you covered the Sabres, if memory serves correctly. I did. Uh, What do you think that the fan base is feeling about this 11-year drought? There are only two major league teams in Buffalo. Fortunately for Sabres fans, who are likely Bills fans, they're more Bills fans than Sabres fans. So they're not okay with it. They're saddened by it, but they're only two major league sports franchises in town. When I was there, I mean, my goodness, uh, that that those lineups featured Pat LaFontaine, Alexander McGilney, Dave Howarchuk, Dave Andrewchuk, uh, Grant Fuhrer, and Dominic Hasek. They're not walking through that door. But then again, none of those guys went far in the playoffs. The team that went far in the playoffs had Matthew Barnaby, Rob Ray, Michael Pekka, so on and so forth. By the way, we have some breaking news that we would like to get to. Mace, what do you got from our guy Ryan O'Halloran of the Denver Post? Kareem Jackson's coming back to the Broncos on a one-year deal. One-year deal, and I'm sure it's very team-friendly as well. Yep. What does this mean for Caden Stearns? means that uh, he's going to be a sub-package dimeback, probably just like he was last year. Right. So primary backup safety. So now is there a huge rush to draft another cornerback? If they're going to be playing a lot of nickel and a lot of dime, now is that still high up on the list? Or because Kareem Jackson is coming back for one year, you might be able to shelve that in the second or third round, go after a pass rusher or an offensive tackle. I'd say it may push it down the list a little bit because you have Caden Stearns and now uh, he because he has the flexibility to go down to the box and even uh, line up in the slot if you need him. You've got Michael OJ Moody sitting there as well. Another young guy they picked thir- third round of 2020. It's not if they don't go corner until later on in the draft, special teams type of depth guy, I think they're okay. All right, Danny, let's continue with just in case you missed it. Just in case you missed it, MLB Commissioner Rob Manfred says adding a pitch clock is on the priority list for owners. How do you feel about a pitch clock in baseball and what do you expect it to look like when it is implemented? I love it. Love it too. Love it. Pitchers are going to complain about it. But then again, how many more breaks can they get defensively uh, <laughs> now that they, now that you can't do the shift anymore? Or actually, I take that back. No, that hurts. I take, them. That hurts them more. Yeah, because they want more. But you're, runs you scored. you My were bad. you had you were talking about though the advantage of the uh, the signaling mechanism. Right, that's an yeah. advantage for them. Yes. So, everyone, I I like I, I like this because. It, it, it is necessary. We and look, they've had a, a they've had a clock for pitching changes, and you know, the world hasn't stopped spinning off spinning on its axis. It'll, it'll be fine. I'll tell you this: uh, unlike what we saw with Nomar Garcia Para stepping mm-hmm. out of the box many many years ago and adjusting his gloves, 
Once you're in that box, you should not be able to go out. Yeah. You're in there. I agree. You're in there. I agree. Once you walk in, it's like the Hotel California. Can't leave. So is this going to be a situation where when once the pitch clock runs out, is that an automatic ball? Yeah. Yeah, sure. Should oh, be. Man. I mean, what, what what would be the repercussion? Yeah. Or do you get I a warning? I guess you have to. I do you guess. get a warning? Do you think they would give him one warning first and then everything after that is an automatic ball? I don't have a problem with that. Yeah. You get not? a warning? That's fine with me. What do you think? Yeah, why not? Yeah, I'm for it. How long do you think the pitch clock We've run be? out of questions, haven't we? No, I have another one. I just was oh. curious. I was curious more <laughs> about the, some of the logistics with the pitch clock because it's, it's not something I've given a great deal of thought to. How long would that pitch clock be? I think what they're talking seconds, about is 20 seconds? 14 seconds when the, bases 14. Are, when the bases are empty, 19 seconds with runners on. Well, what if you, so if you throw the ball over to first base, then the pitch clock restarts. Yeah. That's fine with me. Okay. 14 seconds, that would really speed up the game. Oh, yeah. I'd like that. Might, might have some crisp two and a half hour games now. Nothing wrong with that. Just in case you missed it, two more coaches have joined Brian Flores' lawsuit against the NFL. Steve Wilkes, the Arizona Cardinals head coach in 2018 for just that season, and Ray Horton, NFL assistant since 1994. He interviewed for the Titans head coach job in 2016. How do these additions impact the pending suit against the league? Well, I think the the one that's more interesting is the... Uh is the Ray Horton edition because uh, part of their evidence is uh, an interview that Mike Malarkey gave with a podcast two years ago. And Malarkey saying that he was told by the Tennessee Titans that he was going to be their head coach, that he had the job, but they had to go through interviews uh, to satisfy the Rooney rule. And that, if you're talking about whether an interview was a sham Again, it's it's going to be his it's it's his word, but I think that that one is that's pretty damning there. What he's saying about that. Yeah. All right, that's going to do it for us, Alex. Great job today, Danny. Same with you. As for you, Mace, you were terrific all week. We will not be doing the show tomorrow. Uh, Rockies are playing. We do not want to compete with them, do we? Not opening day. Not opening day. With that, make it the best possible weekend you can. jailbreak somewhere in this town see me and the boys we don't like it